Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our online message in this series that we are in called Jesus. In this three weeks, we are simply looking at the end of Jesus' life through the book of Mark. And in it, we will be taking a look at how Jesus redeemed us. We'll be looking in particular at his his preparation to how he was ending his time with his followers to his arrival to the cross and what that means to us today and ultimately to the punishment of our sins. But the great thing is about Jesus, of course, on Easter Sunday morning, we will celebrate the reality that Jesus, in fact, is not dead in the grave. He just didn't take the punishment for our sins. He rose from the grave, grave, conquered our sin, and now is in the presence of the Father waiting for us, welcoming us into his family. So we're so excited that you joined us for this series. And if you have any more questions or if you would like to find out more about our church, you can Google Nexus Church, of course. But if you want to find us on Facebook, you can just type in Nexus Church Thief River Falls or go to nexuschurchmn.com and you will see us there as well for all the information you need. And we would love to connect with you. Well, here we are, week one of our quick three-week series. And today we're, we'll be taking a look at maybe a, a passage that you wouldn't necessarily associate with the Easter story, but one that is right in line with where Jesus is at in his preparation for going to the cross and rising from the dead. Today we're looking at the story of Mary anointing Jesus and wiping him with her hair. A powerful, intimate passage, one that really is a Fairly bizarre, in fact, because what we will find out today is this was, this was a drastic, drastic example of, of love towards somebody. But we also see the response of another in this passage. And so today we're going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 14. And if you want to follow along, I will be reading from the Christian Standard Bible today, the CSB. And and if you would like to open up your devices, if you can, or your Bible, uh, to follow along, we'll be reading these short passages. Now today, as we get to our passage, I want to, I want to encourage you to, uh, throughout this, this time together, to be processing for yourself how... How have I responded when things don't go the way I think they should? Because in this passage, we will find today that many people were living in a state of an illusion. They thought something was going to happen that didn't. And we'll unpack that in a little bit. But I want you for your own self, on the onset of this passage today, to be asking yourself, how how have I responded when things don't go the way I would have planned or thought they would go? Because the reality is, if you haven't experienced disillusionment in your life, you will. And so today, this whole, this whole passage is, is going to help us to break the illusions in our life. And that is the title of the passage, the sermon today. 
And so, Mark chapter 14, we'll go from verse 1 through 11, and then we'll unpack it. So it was two days before the Passover, okay? So two days before Jesus is going to be tried and, and hung on the cross. In the festival of unleavened bread, the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a cunning way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, so that there won't be a riot among the people. So, of course, they're very, <laughs> they're very aware of the following that Jesus has. Um, you will we'll read next week about, of course, a Palm Sunday. And this is just happening in line with that as well, where, where people are celebrating Jesus coming in. Like, there is a massive group following him. And if you've followed us in our previous weeks leading up to today, uh, we've already read a bunch in the beginning of Mark how Jesus had a grand following, but he had these, these people that were always following him, these religious elite, as I have called them, that were always there waiting, just, just waiting to pounce and, and attack him verbally, mostly. It, and it leads up to where we're at today, you know, 14 chapters later, 12 chapters later from where we last left. And, and here they are again, waiting waiting but the time has come now all they need is that plan and so they're, they're starting to formulate this plan of how they're going to do it how they're going to finally eradicate jesus and his followers but they had to wait and the waiting was soon to be over and so while he was in bethany at the house of simon the leper as he was reclining at the table a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You will always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly, I tell you, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. And so it begins. So it begins. And so who was this lady? And why was it that she, what she did was so... <laughs> It took everybody by storm, in a sense. Like, everybody who was there is like, what is she doing? If you read the other accounts in, in Matthew, it, it says the disciples were, were questioning, what is she doing? Why is she wasting this? But in the book of John, chapter 12, and if you want to read for yourself, it's verses 1 through 8. We know exactly who was the one responsible for questioning, and of course, you probably could guess it. It was Judas. Judas was the one 
to betray. But Mary, why was it that it was so, so crazy, so almost scandalous that she would do this to Jesus? Well, it's important to understand why this was radical. Because one denarii, one, simply one, equaled a day's wage. A day's wage. But we read in this passage in John chapter 12 that this this was equal to 300 denarii, 300 days wage, a year of working 300 days to pour it on top of Jesus. Now, in Latin, this was equal to 10 donkeys. So, we have 10 times 300 equaling a lot of donkeys, right? We have 3,000 donkeys that this was equal to. You know, probably not that many donkeys in all of Jerusalem, right? Like, this was a lot of money that she just poured right over Jesus. Now, most hosts, now, she was, of course, the host of this, and most people, if they were a host, would just, just take a little bit and put it on somebody's forehead, Right? But she, she did it all. She did it all. She just poured it out. And we read, of course, that she then wiped him dry with her hair. A very intimate scene. One where we know that she was she was, in a sense, like everybody else, realizing what Jesus was about to do. He was very clear in this passage and, and leading up to this passage that Jesus was preparing for his, his final moments on earth with his, with his loved ones. And as she is pouring out this oil and wiping his, his feet and, and, and drying him, we know that in her heart she was mourning the fact that, that he was about to be gone. And, and so she was preparing him with this, this oil for what was about to happen. But she did it, not in a sense of disillusionment. She did it with anticipation. That's the difference. Everybody else was in this state of, what's going on here? How could you do this? Like, you are supposed to be the Messiah. You are supposed to set up this, this whole rule on earth and, and rid us of the Romans, right? You know, we, we look at Judas, and of course, again, in John chapter 12, you can look particularly in verses 4 through 6, and you will read that, that, that Judas was the one, and he was heartbroken, right? We, we like to point our fig finger at Judas. We like to say, how could you? How could you for money betray the Savior? Right? Sure, he, he, he was with Jesus for, for three years, watching him, 
do all these miracles, hearing him with these powerful messages of salvation, seeing the truth that everything he did was in line with God and his word, the Old Testament, the Bible. Everything Jesus did was was perfect, was powerful, was full of love and grace and mercy. And then, and then he throws it all away. How could he? Well, well put yourself in, into his shoes maybe for a moment. Think about how you would respond, right? You were, you were just a common, average kid growing up in Jerusalem, listening to all of the prophets of old, saying how, how this, this Messiah is going to come. This Messiah is going to come, and he's going to free us, and we're going to once again be ruled by God, and we're going to be able to be in his presence again in the temple, and we're not going to have all these pagans around us and, and infiltrating us and, and taking advantage of us and taking all of our money, enslaving us to their ways. We will be once again a free nation, something that America is so proud of. And we celebrate. They wanted that again. They lost it. And so then one day, a young man, young woman, and, and there you are just doing your work, taking care of business, maybe still having that little flicker of hope every once in a while. That I heard. I heard there's, there's an uprising and, and maybe this is it. Maybe these are the people who will help us, help us take over. And of course, throughout the history of Israel, if you want to read history in between the Old Testament and New Testament, there was a time where there was uprisings where people would come and, and rise up and try to defeat the Romans and to no avail. And so maybe, maybe Judas, you know, he was pretty zealous for this and, and he was expecting it. And one day, Jesus comes by and says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And then you see all the things he does. You hear the wonderful, powerful messages and, and how the religious elite are just dumbfounded and have no way of, of disproving anything that he does. And you realize this, this could be it. This, this is what I've been hoping for. Like, put yourself into those shoes. Or maybe remember back to when you were a kid, or maybe you are a kid now, and you have all these dreams, all these beliefs, and, and the, the, the horizon's like endless. And, and your hopes are so alive. But then as, as chapter 14 approaches, and, and Jesus starts talking about his departure, and, and how... He's going to, to leave and, and not set up his rule here on earth, but his rule is up in heaven. And you're confused. Everything you thought, you're, 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 you were living in an illusion that this was going to happen. And now you're faced with reality. That's not my lot in life. I'm not going to be a part of the, the group that overthrows Rome. In fact, He's looking more and more like a Savior who's going to be betrayed. And, and I'm that man. I don't want anything to do with this. I want money. 
I want power. We, we know from, from John's account that he was the treasurer, and so, so he knew what was coming in and coming out. And we know from John that he was actually stealing from the treasury, keeping some for his own. Oh, Judas was living in disillusionment. He, he saw reality, and he didn't know what to do, and so he reverted to all he knew, and, and that was for power. And so he, of course, goes to the authorities to betray Jesus for money. Money. There wasn't enough power with Jesus. There wasn't any money with Jesus. He was going where he could find it. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to Judas. Man, I, I wish I... I wish I could sit down with you and just, just talk with you face to face and, and hear your story and, and allow you to hear my story. Because my life, even though I may not seem like I'm that old, I've lived in, in disappointment. I've had this true belief that this was what I was supposed to do and, and come to the end of that line and find out that wasn't it. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. Not that it was bad, not that I was following the wrong path, not that I was rejecting Christ. I was following him exactly the way he had lined up for me. And I got to the end and I realized this isn't where I am supposed to be anymore. And it hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. Now you and I, we're not going to to end up in the same place Judas did. Most people don't. Most people don't end up at the, the end of their line with, with where God has brought them, and they look around and say, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus anymore, and I'm, I'm bailing. People do, and maybe that's where you're at, or maybe you have gone down that road. But Jesus is still here, and he gives us another example of how we can hit this, this, this state of what we thought was going to be reality and is not. This isn't the path I have for you anymore. And Mary had to face it just like Judas did. She was in the same boat as everybody else. She was hoping for the Messiah to free them of the rule of the Romans, just like everybody else. And she had to make a decision. Am I going to trust Jesus? Am I going to accept what he says as true and have faith that he will be with me no matter what the end result is? Even though it's nothing like I thought it was. She didn't give up. She didn't give up. And listen to what Jesus says when he turns to Judas and he says, I wish you would get it, Judas. I wish you would understand what Mary understands. You've been with me, brother, for three years, and yet still I don't have your heart. She has my heart. Judas, listen to this. Verses 6 through 8, it says this. <laughs> Why are you bothering her? Leave her alone. Man, she has done a noble thing for me. 
And then verse 8, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. She's done a noble thing. She's done what she could. She's prepared me for what's ahead. She trusted me. And that's all I'm asking, Judas. Will you trust me? You see, when you get to the end of the line and you look around and everything you thought was, was real is, was just an illusion or maybe everything you did was, was exactly what God had for you and you look around and you're like, this is not it. This is not what I had planned. I don't want to be here anymore. You can either look around like Judas and bail, run your own way, find ways to 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 fill your own hope and pleasure and joy, or you can turn to Jesus like Mary did. You see, she, she didn't look to anyone else. What they thought, what she thought was supposed to be, she trusted in Jesus. I like how Oswald Chambers put it. Such a, a powerful statement. He says, there's only one being who can completely satisfy to the absolute depth of the hurting human heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every relationship that is not based on faithfulness to himself will end in disaster. I want to read it again to you. There's only one being who can completely satisfy to the absolute depth of the hurting human heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Every relationship or any situation that is not based on faithfulness to himself will end in disaster. Simply put, (laughs) this world will leave you empty. It's full of disappointments. People let you down. Situations let you down. Money lets you down. Things you can buy let you down. This world will let you down. And if we put our hope in it, we're living in an illusion. Only Jesus will never let you down. Only Him. And the only way that, that you can find that, that trust, that, that, that hope, that fulfillment is if you put your trust in Him. And if you haven't done that today, you have to. There's no other option. You can continue to go down the road of trying to fill it yourself, trying to find ways to, to, to make yourself feel good to run from that pain. And no matter what you fill it with, whether it's more stuff, getting a better job, going up the ladder, filling it with substances, whether it's caffeine or some other drug, whether it's watching whatever funny show you can, eventually those things will all fade and it won't please you anymore. Only Jesus can fill you. And bring you that hope, that peace, that joy, that fulfillment that this world cannot offer. So today, it is my hope that you will turn to Jesus and make him the center of your life. You see, Romans 
3.23 puts it this way. Everything we do will fall short of God's standard. And so we in ourselves need to be made right with God. We have to, to figure out a way to remedy that. The reality is we can't. Because we fall short, Romans 6.23 says we, we can't be in his presence anymore. We can't go to be with him forever in eternity. We have to be separated from him. And so God was the one who prepared his son to come in and prepare the way. And as John 3.16 so perfectly stated, he is the one who will forgive you. And he is the one who will make you right with God. All you have to simply do is do what God's word says in Romans 10, 9. And that is believe. Believe and give your life to him. So that he can be the center. So he can be the purpose of your life. And so that you can be sure that you are in his family and will be with him forever. That, that my friend, is how you find peace in your life. That is how when you get to, to that crossroads where you look around and things aren't what you thought they would, which will happen if it hasn't in your life, it will happen and you will look around and you're like, this is not what I wanted. You will have Jesus. And even though the world still is a rough place to live, when you have Jesus, you know for sure that, that you have everything you need to be right with him not just here on earth, but for all of eternity. You have that hope, and it's secure. Then maybe today you have given your life to God, and maybe today you're still struggling with disillusionment. You're still saying, man, this is hard. I've had too many disappointments. Maybe this last year has been that final straw. Kind of like It's kind of like this incident with, with Mary and Judas, and Judas is like... <laughs> Man, that was the camel, or that was the straw that broke the camel's back right there, right? Like her pouring out a year's wage on Jesus was like, that's it, I've had enough. I can no longer be around this guy. He is, he's nothing that I thought he was going to be. Maybe this last year, as we have approached now a year of this pandemic, if you're listening live, if you're listening in the future, we're one year into the COVID-19 pandemic. And you've looked around and everything, everything you've worked for is gone or changed. Your friends are, are different. They've changed. Your church is no longer what it used to be. Everything is changed. And you just don't know what to do anymore. Friend, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are living in disillusionment, I can't say this any more clear today. You are putting your hope in the wrong thing. You're putting it on the circumstances in life. And that is not what God has called you to. He has called you to put your hope in Jesus. In Jesus alone. And when we start looking at all these other things now, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you today. Man, this year has been hard. And I've looked around at our situation. I've looked around at the inability to, to, to do good works in our community. I've looked around at, at people not coming back to church and, and the loss of friends and, and not knowing what's going to happen next. I've looked around and I've said the same thing. I've lost hope. 
I've lost belief that, that things can be better. This is the way it's going to be forever. And if it even is the way it's going to be forever, why is that tearing me apart? Why is that putting me down? My hope should be in Jesus, not in the state of America or the world. I should be looking to Jesus and saying, you are my hope. I have been bought and saved by the blood of Jesus. He has forgiven me of my sins. His, his body was bruised for me. I deserve punishment for my sin. That's, that's exactly what Romans 3.23 and 6.23 is saying. I deserve to be whipped and to be beaten and to be eternally thrown into a place of hell. That's what the Bible says. Because I do wrong, I don't deserve to be in God's presence. But Jesus came and took my place. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was ridiculed. And then he had his blood shed over me so that now when God looks at me, he sees his son because God Jesus didn't stay dead in the grave. He was raised to be with the Father. And I should have complete joy in that, knowing that I don't have eternity to spend apart from the love of God. Oh, friends, I wish, I wish I could tell you that I live a perfect, harmonious life where I don't experience disillusionment and that you don't have to worry about living that way anymore either if you give your life to Jesus. But the reality is this is a battle we will face on earth forever. And I'm imploring you today to once again recommit yourself to focusing on Jesus, giving him your hope, giving him your, your trust and faith because he will never let you down, friends. He will never let you down. And you can go to the bank with that today. And that's one thing that will never, ever fail you. And so, Father, I pray for my friends listening today, God. They are my brothers. They are my sisters, Father. And they need a special touch of your Holy Spirit as much as I need a special touch of your Holy Spirit today, God. We have lived in a very difficult season, Father, where things don't look like they're going to get any better. But God, we don't look at the things around us, and I pray that you will help us to not look at things around us. God, turn our eyes back to you again, Jesus. Help me, help my friends, my family, God, to do the same, to put their hope in you and break the illusions of this world. You are our hope, and we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining this week, and we'll catch you again next week.